That's what it sounds like. Don't stop. What? Welcome back to another episode of the Refactored Podcast, where it's our goal here to suck just a little bit less every day. My name is Chris Tunkinson. And my name is Frank Cole. And this is episode number 81, recorded September 30th, 2022. And we are back. We are bad. We are better than ever. Mm. I have an orange vanilla seltzer. And this episode <laughs> may actually go live within three months of us recording it for once. <laughs> We shall it see. It has a chance. We'll, we shall see. It has see. a chance. I'm playing, I, I, I'm just doing, I mean, everything, all the episodes are, are are back up now. And what I'm doing is I'm just retroactively publishing, annou- announcing them to LinkedIn, just like pushing pushing out notices. Hey, here's this episode. It's not new today, but it's new-ish. So check it out. It's cool. You're you're seeing it today from three months <laughs> so, ago. It's new. For, it's new, new to you. Yeah, we got we got squirrely there for a little while, but it's okay. It's all right. We're we're back. We're on schedule. We're on track. There's no backlog. We're we're in it. Well, yeah, we're 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 back and we're back on track. It's uh it's it's all good. Um and uh so to keep things sort of new and and fresh, um so little little bit of news slash I don't know, gloat fest. Um Uh-oh. so I, I heard I heard a um so there was an article that uh that that came out uh recently um so let, let me let me find it here because i mean really it's just if you're if you if if you're not if, if you're not if, if i i can't do it justice if i don't actually say say the the title right because it's just it's so heartbreaking and 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 shocking titillated it's it's right so anyway this is good news. lead up yeah so news pc gamer Stadia is closing down in January. Hardware and software purchases to be refunded. Now, in a shock to zero, no people. one, no one, absolutely no zero one, people. exactly. It, it is. It is. Nobody is surprised by this. What's no? Maybe I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. There's. There's more kind of uh, depressed surprised by. I'm sure ones of people are surprised by this news. <laughs> there have to be. There have to be ones of people that are like, wait a minute, really? I thought this was great. <laughs> I don't mean to gloat, but I'm going to anyway. <laughs> When I heard the the original announcement for Google Stadia, the day they oh announced goodness. that they were doing it, I went, this, this is fail. going nowhere. This, this is a fail. complete, this is DOA. I, I wasn't, and there, there wasn't a shred of doubt in my mind that this was going to no, completely none flop. None at all. There, there is just, there's way too much stacked against it. So first and foremost, let's be honest. They're, they're, this was a Stadia for anyone who doesn't know is a uh, a streaming gaming platform that Google developed. The idea was you bought a little bit of hardware, you bought a subscription, and then you were able to play modern day, high level, high caliber AAA titles through a streaming service. So you'd be able to get these high res games and you wouldn't have to have a super powerful PC because you'd be streaming yeah. the visual data and the controls right through. This is not new. You can actually, there are... Um, 
There are homebrew guides. You can actually set up your own streaming service and you can leverage things mm-hmm. like AWS and their yeah. and their heavy GPU I had packages. A, I had a uh, I had a gaming I had a streaming gaming rig out of an EC2 back in like 2014 or oh, something. Oh, you actually built one. Oh, cool. Yeah. I never built yeah. one. I, I always I it never was went okay. Yeah. You know, it was okay. Yeah. Uh the I mean the idea is that you could basically just pay for the time when you use it. And because you're using this um these virtualized services through something like AWS, you're always getting like yeah. the most massive video cards you can think of. Um, well, and for me, and for me, I'm like, I'm not a hardcore gamer. I may play a couple hours a month. And that was back then when I gamed a lot <laughs> comparatively. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So even if, you know, it could be some monster rig and yeah, you're paying through the nose while it's on, but it's on for three hours. Mm-hmm. That's, that's fine. That's, that's much cheaper and easier than, than buying hardware, any other version of it. It was, it was, it was nice. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's a clever idea. I don't know if it's really there or not yet in terms of the tech. Um, so Google took a sh- took a shot at this, and the thing is, it is it is in its own unique way. It's its own gaming hardware. So it's you know you would have you have your Nintendo Switch, you have your PlayStation Five, you have your Xbox Two, or whatever the frick frack number the, the idiotic numbering scheme they're using right now, and then you would have. Google Study would be, you know, sort of next to it. And so it is gaming hardware of a sort. And uh, anyone who is a uh, a longtime viewer of the gaming space knows that breaking into the hardware is really hard. It is really, yeah. really hard. The last one to do it successfully was Microsoft with the Xbox. And even then, they absolutely floundered the first one. It didn't, it wasn't until they got to the 360 where they really hit their stride, but they threw yeah. a ton of money to actually break into that. And, Which they only had because they lucked out with Bungie. And and also because Microsoft had already had a corner of the market with desktop gaming. They were able to mm-hmm. leverage their ActiveX and, and Windows being the ubiquitous platform for, for desktop computer yeah. uh, PC master race gaming that they were able to, to even do that. Google didn't have any of that. And so it was already going to be an uphill climb. On top of that, you have Google's atrocious track record when it comes to new products anyone that we've talked about the google graveyard before they they start and kill products so fast the road to success is paved with failure you know nine out of ten ideas fail failure's a sign of progress all of those things you know your john wax maxwell books and so forth but it's like google takes failure as a business model to another level and the like the the weight you can almost you can almost feel the weight of stadia collapsing on itself like a neutron star without ever having had stellar mass of attention in the first place it's like a miracle of modern physics yeah it's 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 an (laughs) it's you really you wrapped a lot of a lot of physics in there a lot of science i like it um so in a shock to absolutely no one this thing got shut down uh, so I spoke with some of my um, some of my coworkers who have uh, f- former friends and coworkers who, who have who have used this before. I have a number of them who actually did have the subscription. The, it looks like the refunds are only for the hardware. So if you bought the subscription service, you're not refunding the subscriptions. Yeah. Um, but one of them pointed out something interesting: the fact that they're offering refunds at all tells you that's indicative of just how yeah. bad a flop. This actually How was terrible because it was. there's no way that they're going to that they're going to eat a 
relatively speaking, massive hit on refunding that hardware, which means there was only a handful of this crap out there anyway. Well, so, what it what it belies is it is in my maybe okay. Uh, my tinfoil hat is tinted green today for Friday, um, but in my mind, what it suggests is that internally they know things are so bad that they would get their ass sued off if they didn't proactively refund. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that's very possible. I mean, this. I thing, think it's just pure pure risk management. Well, I don't. I think mean, one hundred percent. It's definitely it. yeah. It's definitely risk management and. Honestly, it's probably also some, uh, some, some uh, fancy bookkeeping too. Because if they eat that cost, they're able to write the whole thing down as an expense. Uh, no, they are they talk- spent they spent a billion dollars last year. They write that off. They refund a billion dollars this year. They write that off. All of a sudden, eh, you mm-hmm. know, it's not that much of a loss. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, I'm trying to find the quote. One of one of my friends passed along a quote uh, that, saying that their goal was to reach one million active users by the end of 2020 which they missed by about 25%. So they they missed by about a million active users. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So they, um, um, that was by the end of 2020 and Stadia, when did Stadia launch? Uh, They said by the end of 2020. So November 19th, 2019 is when that actually went live. So by the end of 2020, so so a little over. So it was, well, yeah, but, they missed it by the end of 2020. So just that first, you know, 12 to 14 month window, they wanted to reach a a million monthly active and they had about 750,000 according to, you know, this, this number, which I think still, I think that number sounds really high to me. I would be shocked if it was that high to be, to be perfectly honest. So that to me sounds like it's probably some more magic percent, you know, fun with well, statistics. We can't, we can't know exactly because of <laughs> so, you know, Derm. we're taking our best estimate based on historical trends to try to uh, analyze as it's in good faith <laughs> an accurate uh, number. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, uh, there's the but, meme with the clown painting the makeup yes, on over like go. four frames. That's mm-hmm. what Stadia. That's, that's, that's basically yeah. what Stadia is. And um, I, I so um, yeah, to me, this was, I didn't get it into our predictions cause we weren't, I don't think we were doing the show at that point, but had we been doing predictions, the, uh, that, that episode, uh, the, the, that day, November 19th or 20, no, that was, that was the launch day. So this would have been in the summer when they probably announced. Oh, it was a Google one. They announced it at their, at their, um, at their conference, at their expo in 2019. Yeah. I remember that. That's where I saw the news, and I remember seeing that news and thinking, "This is going yeah. to flop." So, yeah. um, it's it's nice, you know, like I don't mean to gloat, but I totally do, and it's nice to be right from from time yeah, to like, time. So. This is not gloating at like the expense of a human being. True feelings. This is no. at the expense of Google, right? Exactly. Like, eh, this is acceptable. No, this is a hundred percent acceptable. That's why I'm totally willing to do it, and I, you know. They, they've done good stuff in the past. You know, Google, you know, a company you might have heard of, done some handy things from time to time. <laughs> if they could just break this habit they have of completely nixing things at the first sign of, you know, oh, this isn't, this isn't converting quickly into mass amounts of millions. Better, better just cut bait and run. You know, because I'm I sorry, think- RIP, RIP Google Reader. 
they forever lost me as a happy customer like a decade ago because no, it, I'm still I'm still yeah. angry about that. And Google Reader, Google um, uh, Feed Burner, I think was that was an external company, and then Google bought them, and I think they killed it. Um, there's the Google Inbox, which was still, to my in my opinion, the best uh, UI UX for an email workflow ever, and they completely um, shut it down. Um, so I, I think, I think everybody's got their, their, their pet project that Google killed off and there are websites for this stuff. Um, I really do think over the long, over the long term, that behavior is going to, you know, that's going to become a boat anchor around their necks because you can't tell, you can't tell me that part of the reason that's, that Stadia failed was because they didn't have. Uh, enough titles. Now they had some titles and they had big AAA titles, but they only had a few. It wasn't like you had the entire library of equivalent to Microsoft Xbox. You know, you, you grabbed everything from all the major vendors and everyone was clamoring to put their new stuff on it. You know, indie devs were signing up, you know, it, 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 yeah. you know, it wasn't even close. You compare Stadia's library to say Steam and it's, you know, that's a that's flooding us swatting a fly with a Buick. It's it's just not even close. You can't tell me that part of the reason some of these companies didn't sign up is because of their track record for just, you know, nuking stuff. You know, a lot of people went wait and see and yeah. sent, and yeah. Google went, yep, nope, done and got out. Oh, and, look, nobody's interested. Yeah, because you have yeah, a habit we don't of trust doing you. this. Yeah, you yeah. have a habit and we don't trust you. When it and, comes out of beta in a decade, then I'll take it seriously. Exactly. <laughs> like that's real. I mean, it's, it's a joke, yeah. but it's true with Google. Yeah, it is true. And, and I don't, and I think that and, that, and the problem is because they don't actually throw their full weight behind anything. That's, that's one right. of the big issues. They really, yeah. they don't really commit to anything. They dabble in a thousand different directions. Microsoft, at least they, their graveyard is, is just as luxuriously furnished as, as Google's at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when Microsoft starts a new direction they really lean into it pretty hard mm-hmm. and then and then after a couple of years when the inevitable happens and ones of people are shocked to know that it's deadpooled they move on to like but but they they actually give it meaningful attention uh now they they fail to execute mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah i mean you know, we could do this we could we could ascribe like core character flaws to all of the valley companies or whatever i don't think of that's course. super interesting but yeah no um, no but google one of the issues is they don't really put their full weight into any of these and so then people say well this doesn't look like it's fully baked you have a track record of killing stuff after people get uh get bought in and so we're going to wait and see everybody says wait and see on a new product and they don't think that they've got uh, mm-hmm. you know, addressable market. So then they kill it and the cycle just perpetuates. And that's fine. I'm great with Google languishing into the annals of history at some point. Uh, <laughs> Eventually. You know, being being eliminated by their own business processes. That is, I'm completely okay with this. <laughs> yeah, it will. I think that this will be, if and when, at, at whatever point in the indeterminate future, because I mean, they're they're certainly not going anywhere today. This will be, I think, one of the things that really does drag the company down. Um, there's this, you know, it's the dual edge of of um, innovation and exploration, you know, and that's that's good. But where I think Google really flops is where they position these these ideas, these experiments. They position them as a, as full blown new initiatives rather than experiments. They're not 
honest with yeah. people about their true mm-hmm. intentions. Um, and if they just simply said, this is an experiment, we're trying it out and approached it that way, that would get the goodwill that, that you, that you want if you treat it that way. But if you call it a product, you call it an initiative, you know, people expect you to back it. They expect it to be there. And if it's not, and if they don't trust you to be there, then, you know, that's it. Is that's, that's it. And so I think there's a lesson here for really, um, you know, to bring things from this, this macroeconomics level back, back down to, to the real world where you and I and the, and the listeners are. I think there's a lesson here for, for anyone who's you know, working on a product or working in a company and looking to expand that, that product, add new features, add new functions, or you know, branch off into a new territory and things like that. I think that those are, um, those are good, worthwhile endeavors. They're, those are laudable endeavors. Those are good things, and you should do them. But you need to be honest with yourself, one, and with your audience, two, about what it is and what you're trying and where it's going. Companies run into trouble every time they start to get duplicitous with what they're saying versus what they're doing. That is what gets them in trouble every single freaking time. If you're just honest and upfront about what you're doing, You'll be fine. So yeah, try the new thing. Add the new feature. When you go to launch it, tell customers, this is a new thing that we're trying. Let us know what you think. We might yeah. not keep it. It's kind of, we're, we're figuring it out and we want your feedback. We want you in this process with us. People appreciate that. Technology, it, gaming communities are more than willing to be guinea pigs for stuff. If oh, you I love trying them new that's stuff. That's what it is. Love trying new stuff. But if I, but I gotta, I gotta know. Okay, what kind of new thing am I trying here? Is this a new, is this a new product that you're, you know, gung ho on? Because I'm going to approach that with a more discerning lens. For is this something I really want to invest my time and money in? Is this gonna, is this gonna right. help me long term? Versus as opposed to if you say, oh, hey, uh, this is a thing. We don't even know what it is yet, but uh-huh. it might be cool to try it out. Mm-hmm. That's not that doesn't necessarily dissuade me from making an investment. It just changes my reaction when things happen down the line. It changes and my the reaction. expectation. Yeah, it changes the reaction. It changes your I expectation. Was, to, You're, you bucket tie it this differently. Back, yeah, to, to interpersonal stuff, right? Like I was talking to somebody a couple of weeks ago and there was this issue with with their boss. And uh, this is not not my company. Um <clears throat> but they were complaining because the boss said, "Okay, well, we're gonna we're gonna go out and we're gonna have uh, we're gonna we're gonna rejigger our schedule, right? We're gonna change how we how we schedule people over time, okay. and uh, this is this is the this is the new way of things. This is what we're doing, and so uh, you know, and and it was billed like the meeting invite had the word proposal in it, mm-hmm. and it was a meeting with like open floor time on the agenda, and at the end of it, after the conclusion of the meeting. Someone reached out, kind of raised their hand. Now, it was like some, uh, you know, reply all war, which is a whole different type of problematic. But but somebody essentially raised their hand and said, hey, like, I don't know if this works all the way. Uh, Can we have a follow-up meeting for this? Mm -hmm. And essentially, after some heated back and forth where I think both parties were making a lot of mistakes – to be honest with you, uh, mm-hmm. making a lot of communication mistakes, right? 
doing sensitive things over email, not checking their emotions, not being empathetic, not being clear with their language. There was passive aggressiveness. Like it was this whole, you know, thing that happened. But having the conversation over email, like just full stop there. But so so the point so the point is, though, that originally this this uh, person in a position of authority uh, was like, hey, I want to share with you the proposal and we could talk through the details. At the end of all of the drama, come to find out that, no, this is what's happening come this date. We're not really open to discussion. Well, Mm. now you can understand. Now you can understand why somebody had feelings about this because you said it was a proposal and ask you with any questions or concerns. I'm saying, okay, well, can we adjust the parameters because I have some questions and concerns and then I get shut down? Yep. and you then at one point, straight out of unaligned straight at, my guy, straight out of office space. At one point, there it became an in, uh, like a face to face meeting, and the the person is there yelling about how you can always come to me with issues. I am approachable. Like literally yelled the words, I am approachable. Like I, I, you can't make this stuff up. I mean, I guess Office Space did 30 years ago, but you, you, it was just listening to the story, I was like there, like bowl of popcorn, wide-eyed. I have people skills. I am good at dealing with people. Can't you understand that? What the hell is wrong with you people? What's wrong with you people? No, that 100%. And the whole thing was about setting expectations, right? Are are you coming in as the boss and saying, starting January 1st, this is going to be the state of the world? Or are you coming and saying, I'd like to do this, but I want your feedback and I'm open to discussion, right? But positioning it the latter way, but it actually being the former Come on, you can't do exactly. It's that's that's a perfect example of what I'm talking about here. That's it. That is a great concrete example. How you position it needs to fit the reality. You can't spin that way, or you're going to end up in this kind of hot water. You're you're going to screw yourself. And that's that's exactly what uh, that's that's exactly what your 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 coworker, if whatever, but like like that in that situation, that's exactly what happened. Um, I mean, fine. The situation's been handed down. Okay. Now you didn't. All right. Now we can go into a whole litany of what, why that might not be such a good idea, but okay. You're in that situation. Like a decision has been made. You got to present it that way, buddy. You got to own it. You got to like be clear that this is the decision. (laughs) This is the future. Get on board or get out. That's, I mean, really that's, That's you can say it a little nicer than that, but that's essentially what it's got to be. It has to be clear that the decision has been made and the rules of engagement are changing, right? Mm -hmm. As opposed to, Hey, I'm thinking about this thing. I think it may work for the group. I think we may see benefits. Gut check me on this before it becomes the new rule. Yep. Yep. And you see, gotta be cl- and, and it all started. It all started with two things. The word proposal was in either the, the email invite or the, the name mm-hmm. of the deck. Mm-hmm. And then and then at the end, this tick, which, by the way, I, I'm becoming more and more annoyed with this as I get older. This tick of if you have any questions or concerns, let's talk about it. Right. OK. Meeting hygiene 101, you do not ask, is there anything else once you've gotten through your agenda? No, you got through your agenda. There is nothing else for this meeting. Goodbye, sign off. That's that's it. There's anything else. It's this it's this polite kind of deferential open. I, I understand the motivation for it. I have stopped asking anything else, right? Maybe there's open floor on the agenda. That's a different story. Mm-hmm. 
But otherwise, I think I'm becoming more and more like a meeting should have a clear purpose. And when you achieve that purpose, you're done. I, okay. I don't. Let's let's that's a whole tangent. Though. Yeah, that's was, a sidebar. Yeah. So hold that drink because I want to come back to it because I don't think I totally I'm agree. still holding it. Yeah, you continue calorie free, 100 percent natural orange vanilla seltzer from Polar oh, this time. This guy is hard. I'm getting paid for these promotions. That's, that's right. why I, I big seltzer as a backer. I don't I don't admit it in public. <laughs> Jeez. So, um, in the situation that you're talking about and really any, I mean, that, that kind of situation, I think in all of those instances, I am coming to the conclusion, having been in that seat a number of times myself, I am coming to the conclusion that choosing the wrong approach there, you know, falsely setting the expectation of proposal and like soliciting feedback and things like that. I am coming to the conclusion that the doing so always choosing, choosing poorly, doing the wrong thing always involves some degree, some not insignificant degree of cowardice. I think a lot of times people present things this way because they think that it'll make it easier for them because they think Mm -hmm. it'll be a way to avoid the um the blowback they think it'll make it easier for them with the people they, they won't get as mad or at least they won't get as mad at them and yeah. it's a way for them to avoid uh the storm and make it seem more collaborative than it is and, right and and yeah. they're just afraid of of facing the the ire of another individual it doesn't have to be somebody who's a superior i mean in the story that you're talking about sounds like the feedback was from subordinates or at least you know you know within their own department so i i think a lot of people just get afraid of dealing with conflict people don't yeah. like dealing with conflict and that's a poor that's a poor decision maker uh and i have started to come to the conclusion with that that if i am nervous about doing something if if hmm, this one makes me feel antsy, not because I think it's the wrong decision, but because I'm worried about what's going to happen afterwards on the if, other side. Yeah. If that's, if that's your thought process, it, when, when, when that is my thought process, I double down on myself and I run towards that fire because made the decision. We know that this is the right move. Again, making assumptions that you've, you've made the right call or that somebody above you is me, then, then you just go through with it. And, and yeah, it might be painful, but being straight and honest about what it is. First of all, we as human beings, we overestimate the bad all the time. Yeah. You know, it's never as bad yeah. as you think it's going to be ever. Even the worst things that have ever happened in my life were never as bad as I thought at the time or beforehand. Yeah. They always ended up being. Except for stadium. Manageable. That was well, just that, as bad yeah, as that, we figured it would complete be. Disaster. That was the tire fire that I think we all knew and knew it would be and and quite frankly loved and laughed at <laughs> yeah <laughs> no, and i think i think a lot of that comes from just and uh, just a failure to fully analyze the situation i've noticed i've noticed in in my life when That's i've true. come to situations like that why why do i feel okay well yeah it's a sensitive topic and it makes you feel uncomfortable you don't want to do it because somebody's feelings might get hurt okay that's 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 pretty surface level but like okay beyond that it's time to make a decision it's time to lead the team and own some things and make some progress that's going to hurt somebody's feelings from time to time and whenever i've found i'm i'm in that mode it's because i haven't fully 
thought it through and mm-hmm. given voice to those concerns. So when I sit mm-hmm. down, I think about, okay, I have a difficult decision to make and it's going to hurt some feelings and I don't want to do it because I don't want to be involved in that, right? That sounds mm-hmm. that sounds messy. I'd like to, I'd prefer to be, I'd prefer things to be nice and clean and polite. I don't Who wouldn't? Get my hands Who wouldn't? Um, okay, well, why why is it messy? Well, the ultimate root of it is usually I just don't like the idea of hurting somebody's feelings, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and and part of it is saying that out loud and like, okay, that's the only problem with this. All of the other all of the other, the motivation, the means, and the end are positive for the team. And it is good management to take this course of action. If the only thing that's wrong with it is that somebody's feelings make it hurt, first of all, in that case, it's not actually me hurting their feelings, right? It's me being a good manager, making the right decision for everybody else, because a lot of times you lose focus, right? Uh, there's We talked about Silicon Valley a few weeks ago, and there's this mm-hmm. guy with his rad can, his radical candor, and then the opposite of that is ruinous empathy. There's actually a nugget of truth there. The problem is when you start to think that way, um, you know, like let's say correcting an employee's behavior, right? You may not want to do that because you don't want to hurt their feelings. Okay, well, what is the what is the alternative, right? Because you're you're deciding to do something either way. You're either deciding action or deciding inaction. When you decide inaction, what happens? Every other person on the team's feelings get hurt because you're not doing anything about the guy that's dragging everybody down, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and so sometimes just parsing it through, and and thinking about it all the way and diving into why does that make me feel uncomfortable and what's the alternative really helps to clarify that yeah you just need to do it <laughs> and now ultimately i mean i i can't think looking back i'm not sure that i can think of an example where that analysis did not not only reaffirm that it, this is the right decision to make but then also like give you the oomph to go up and get it and get it done with mm-hmm. yeah so i i agree completely yeah and and if you if you just be straight about what you're concerned with hey yeah i've got it i've got i've got a i've got some news that you're probably going to take negatively take as a take as a bad yeah. and i am concerned for your feelings in that you know this like i'm i'm mm-hmm. thinking about you yeah. in this but i still think that this is the right call but i know that this is probably going to upset you or i can see that you're upset again just be straight open and honest people recognize that if they know that you're doing that, it does a lot to diffuse the the yeah. um, the anger because really they're not angry at you. They're angry at the situation and having to go through yeah. it. You know, you have a role, you as the decision maker, as part of the decision making team or the person. Yeah, you have a part to play in there, but yeah. you can you guys you can look at the problem. You can assess the problem. You know, it's it's, it's like code reviews. We don't review the engineer. We we review the code review itself. The code. It's the same yeah. idea here. You know, you, you there's a you level have, of objective you know objective distance that exactly. you have to have and from so by, the problem space. And so by saying you know this decision happened, it has ramifications. Those ramifications are negative to you. The that entire positioning puts it on the issue, on the situation, on the problem and pulls it away from me versus you. And now it's Mm -hmm. you and I together collaboratively dealing with a situation. Now it affects you negatively and let's see what we can do about that. But it puts the emphasis where it belongs and that in and of itself eliminates most of the friction that you run into. Um, I mean, I I have dealt with um, dismissals. I, I have done dealt with 
layoffs and, and terminations and things like that. And you can do this in that situation and it becomes, yeah. I mean, those situations always suck, but you, you uh, yeah, can they still, suck for everybody. But, but, but you, I mean, I'm using the, I'm using the extreme example to illustrate my point that it still yeah. works even in that situation no, where it, things can it become crystallizes almost, the thought process. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it's, and it's less about, you know, I don't like your face. You know, it's, it's, it's less of that sense. Yeah. It's less of that feeling. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So anyway, yeah. Okay. So yeah, good, good observation. Good pickup. Thanks. Thanks. Stadia. You, you did for, for, for your billions of dollars, Google, you gave the, the refactored podcast, you know, one good 12 uh, minutes of conversation. 12, yeah. Right? Really, yeah. really good. Uh, good conversation. You know, thanks. Thank, thank you so much for that. That's uh there you go. There, there's the win. There's the win in the in the Stadia bucket right there. That's <laughs> the one. That's the one good thing that came out of it. Bunch of jackasses. <laughs> what a what a crock. So I had um so uh mailbag. I got a question from an old uh, an old boss of mine. Uh, his name's Justin. Uh, you have met Justin before. Um, oh, Justin and, and I, we go way back. He's good people. <laughs> he, is, he is good people. Um, so uh, he he gave me uh, a couple good fan of the show. He's listened before. Gave me uh, a couple good questions for the uh, for the mailbag. Um, so I went through them. I will probably use a couple of them in the future. But one of them that jumped out right away that I thought would be a fun conversation. Um, so his his question. Does having a sophisticated AV setup, audio, video, microphone, camera, you know, the whole shebang, does having a sophisticated AV setup for your video calls make you seem less promotable to the C-suite? So, th- so that's the question. Now, some a little bit of background, some some fun color and background. Now, the reason I wanted I to like do this- I like that. Yeah. So I want to do this question early with enough time to get into it because this is, this is pretty meaty. So- but some background, Justin and I have been, uh, we have had a, a, a friendly competition about this topic the entire time that we, that we work together. Um, mm-hmm. I, uh, Justin believes it's okay to have good equipment and you should have good equipment. You know, do, take care of yourself, you know, be professional in what you do, but keep it off camera. You shouldn't have the microphone on screen. You shouldn't, mm-hmm. you shouldn't be super obvious where the big headphones you shouldn't be super obvious about the setup you just kind of want to use good stuff so that you have a good quality connection but don't throw it in the other person's face be more subtle about it my feeling is the exact opposite put that big old microphone in the shot you know with the with the you know with the boom arm and the you know and the suspension mounts and all that crap and wear the big headphones because you want the other person to see that you take what you do seriously and you, you know, that you spend time and money making yourself look and sound good in this new digital remote world that we, that we live in. Quote but, new unquote. So, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you and I've been doing this for what, 15 years. So, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, however, back to his question, promotability to a C, to a C level, to a C-suite. So here's the argument that it actually works against you. This is what he says. C-levels are busy folks and they don't have time to screw around with their computer setups. Mm-hmm. And I, that sounds like most executives that I have ever yeah. desi- built and issued a laptop for. They, you know, they want or the damn thing to, to work. On the phone, 99% of them, they're talking to you with a potato. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's, it, 
get me what I need to get my job done and get out of the way so I can move on to the next yeah. thing that I, the next yeah. fire that I need to put out. That's sort of the mindset. And it's true. That's true. So anyway, they don't have time to screw around with the setups. They're just using whatever IT issues them. Computers are just a thing they have to do, use to do their jobs and they're on the go. So they, given all of that, in their setup, given that world, they just use the built-in mic and camera built into the built into the laptop. Because it gets the job done. Because it's there, it gets the job done. They don't need to think about it. And so, and his point, people like to promote other people like themselves. Mm-hmm. And so does the fact that you spent all this time and effort on the setup, does that compute to the C-level the hell is this idiot doing wasting his time setting up this look at that ridiculous microphone look at mm-hmm. all that look at the headphones doesn't he have more work to do isn't there something it's he a, could be it doing a, to make the company a more tribal successful? thing it's yeah. an emotional tribal argument yeah yeah so when you're dealing with execs uh, if they decide that you're not one of them because you've invested so heavily into the setup you know mm-hmm. does that work against you so that's his argument what do you think uh i think <sighs> There's merit to it, and and here's and here's what, and it, it's a well it's a well reasoned argument, and the root of it is really the innate, again, emotional sort of tribal nature of humanity, where right. you you associate with people who are like you, and mm-hmm. and so it to the extent that that can cause any kind of mental friction, any kind of of cognitive dissonance or or feeling of not sameness. Yeah, there there could be there could be an impediment. And also, it is true that if your appearance for what I think is a good reason to be different on camera in a meeting is a material barrier to your progression with that group of executives, then they're a bunch of asshats that don't have their priorities in the right order. And you need to be someplace where you're respected for what you are doing and not how you are doing it. And so what I would say is, by the way, to the first point about just trying to get your job done, I cannot tell you how much time I spend in a given week with executives, highly compensated, busy, intelligent human beings, because pardon me, they waste time in the beginning of the meeting effing around with their camera, with their microphone. Mm. Oh, can you hear me? Oh, my Bluetooth didn't connect. It's child's play. It is absolutely embarrassing. I get on a meeting, boom, mic and camera. I know they work because they're hardwired and the settings are the same as they mm. were nine months ago. And by the way, when I speak on a call, I come through crystal friggin' clear. No one ever has trouble understanding me mm-hmm. because I'm not on a potato Bluetooth headset from 1998 with the blinky blue light. And, and so for me, who spend in a leadership position, 90% of my time communicating This is a tool to get the job done because I know that I am being heard loud and clear, and I know that I am hearing everybody as well as their audio input allows me to. And so I think, yeah, just get the job done. The job is communicating, and I take that very seriously. So that's that's kind of my response. Can you hear me? Hey, am I coming through okay? Hold on a second. I I, I think, hold on, I got to push a couple buttons here this thing is blank why is this thing blinking i don't i don't understand what what's going on here i don't god it's stupid my shades george turn the crank faster (laughs) (laughs) all right so that's my hot that's my immediate response yeah Yeah. so so the the point uh, uh, um 
Even Wait. when I tra- by the way, even when I travel, I have the little I have little Apple earpods or whatever air air earbud airpods mm-hmm. um airbuds i bluetooth yeah. those airbuds. Air, airpods uh i bluetooth those to my laptop so i know there is a minimum level of audio clarity that i can present in the meeting mm-hmm. it sounds like it sounds like too much time with people with bad priorities okay so yeah the you um it's, it's a good call out on on them fumbling through their systems but uh i, I actually like the uh, the the more salient point I think you made was that when, yeah, it's probably that, that, that might be true, that it might actually dissuade you from being promotable inside that, that ecosystem. But if that is true, if that's, if that's a group of people who would be dissuaded by your setup, do you even want to be there? Is that indicative of a larger problem that, hmm, maybe this isn't the kind of place that I want to work anyway? Like I have worked in places where I was like, I, I'm done. I have reached a point where it's like, you know what? I don't, I do not want to go any higher in this organization because I know what that will entail and I don't want to deal with it. I've been there before. And I gotta, I gotta say, like, I don't want to tread into like sensitive water here, but like, if you're not able to control your response and decision-making in light of such a trivial seeming difference, then mm. what other biases are you susceptible to like mm. there's i mean you wind up pretty quickly into whole like a like a dei type conversation right i mean really because uh, yeah. that's what Ugh. it is and i mean it can be argued i'm not going to go there but but you understand my point yeah. like it's that is just a simple human bias and if an executive can't get past that then you know i want to be judged and i am judged because i actually have a good boss uh and he sees my output he sees my value to the organization and what i bring to the table and in fact, it was after having worked with me for a couple of years that he went out and bought a better microphone when he was home. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I know one or two other executives have have done likewise. Um, yep. Now, they do keep it off camera. I don't know if that's a conscious choice or if that's just because it just didn't happen to be in frame. Right. Um, I think I'm the only one with a boom mount. So it's I'm the only one with it like right in my face. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is where it belongs. I mean, if you watch anyone who does real recording, it's. You're you're right up there. Well, Couple because inches, tops. That's, and that's I'm just it. talking at a normal voice. You can hear me clearly. And if I turn away, you can hear on the recording. It my voice kind of goes away. Right. It needs to be here in order Very to close. be loud and yeah. clear without picking up a bunch of background noise. Yeah, because um, nobody nobody likes the echo. And this is the biggest problem no. with most people's microphones is the reverb that you yeah. get because people are picking up the whole room because the microphone yeah. sucks and you're not close enough to it. Well, and I'm sorry, when the microphone, so here's, uh, let's just dig in. I feel like we're there already. So yeah, I'm going to vent. It. Can I use this as my therapy Absolutely. couch? Absolutely. By go the way, you're using your, you're using your laptop mic, which is this little pinhole thing. It's oh, like when the kids, right next it's to like the when camera. the kids, FYI people, it's yeah. right next to the camera. It's that little dot right next to the camera. It's, and lid. sometimes, sometimes it's on the base next to the keyboard. And either way, uh, it kind of sounds like how it should sound like how it looks when the kids make the little pinhole cameras where they stab a box of cardboard with a pencil and then try to look through it. It's, it's about that. <laughs> same thing uh <laughs> that's your quality you're it's pretty just bad. above potato quality with that um by the way so you're on that laptop and because you're an executive and maybe you're not a great one you're also typing during the meeting and all of that thump 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 yeah, you can hear that typing and it's, it's super, really super annoying it's really loud because because you're the the housing of the microphone is the housing of the keyboard if there's a laptop yes. so it vibrates through the whole thing mm-hmm. there's no sound mm-hmm. isolation there's no padding to eliminate yeah. that so you hear that and they're they're not good 
you know, and I, I'm not saying everybody's got to go out and spend. I don't know. I have the I have the sure. What is this? SM7B, I think. Um, it's a couple hundred, couple hundred dollars. dollars. Couple. I, I upgraded to this recently after like a decade with a um, less expensive, still nice microphone. Uh, the Yeti. The Blue Yeti. Yeti. Blue, Blue Yeti. Yeti. Um, I had that for five or ten years before I upgraded to a to a dynamic mic that was a, a condenser. Um, but I just I I don't. I think the other so, so salient point is like yeah I think the biggest issue is if they're if they're vulnerable to that cognitive bias mm, <laughs> what else is wrong mm-hmm. secondly and I think I think a close second by the way for me my job as an executive is to communicate effectively and in our new re, quote new remote world so much of that is audio and video in nature. So oh, much yeah. of it is talking on zoom and I, and with my team, like I'm cameras on and if it looks like I'm trying to peek through seven layers of cellophane, uh, to look at you, like having a crisp video, having crisp, clear audio without picking up a bunch of background noise. Cause the kids are running by the hallway, like a bunch of, you know, shrieking flesh goblins. Yeah. It, like that stuff does matter to me and it I does. take it seriously. Yeah, it, it, and yeah, uh, I look like I I look like some kind of an asshole radio jockey, you know, uh, with all the gear on. But I own that, right? Like I'm I'm a nerd. This is nerdy equipment, and you know what? I look and sound damn good. Yeah, Please and it, thank you. Like it, I don't make apologies for it. And it's I think the 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 separation the dichotomy between a high quality setup versus those crappy setups that yeah. you know, have poor audio quality. Just Spud just Studios. That. I'm like, going to call it, it that from now on. What are you going to call it? Spud Studios. Because you're recording with a potato. Okay, because you're recording with a potato. <laughs> I mean, that that actually, I have had visceral reactions. I don't know about you, but I have had genuine visceral reactions to really lousy setups. Have you ever done that? Where oh, somebody's, yeah. Somebody's audio is so bad, you actually get mad at the person. Yeah. Why is your sound quality so horrendous? I hate your guts as a human being because I can't understand a word you're saying. You sound like yeah. you sound like the dude who's announcing the next stop on the subway. That's what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. And why? What? I mean, why did we? Why did we invest in the equipment in the first place? Because ten years ago, we started a company. We were a distributed organization back then. We did a lot of our work on Skype, and then we landlined people into a Skype call. And then we got a couple of comments in one week from clients that had trouble hearing me, had trouble hearing you. Oh, it sounds like you're underwater. It sounds like you're through a tunnel. There's a lot of echo, reverb, whatever. We went out. We spent a couple hundred bucks. Screw it. We got a better microphone. Didn't say anything about it, and the clients weren't on video with us, so they didn't know. But the next week, we had conversations with those same people. Oh my gosh, you sound so great! I can hear you. So this is wonderful. Best money I ever spent. I, it was it was a learning like a learning and growth moment for me that there is you know the old thing like you you want to look professional in this uh-huh. environment you also need to sound this is professional the, this is the rem- this is the remote world equivalent of walking into the client's site wearing the suit that's exactly With what this nice is with a nice haircut and a nice suit haircut, and a fresh well dressed yep, well coiffed and, and yeah and you know what it costs a few hundred bucks it costs a little bit of money so does your for suit an executive so exactly company doesn't buy your suit exactly so companies are buying you know, your clothes buy them buy your haircut come on man my father's an automotive technician, right? He turns a wrench for a living. The amount of money the man has spent over the years on on tools, I think what I need 
I need uh, what? If I look at if I look at my office right now, I got a 4K camera. I got the mm-hmm. SM7B with a little focus right. Uh, I love my Moonlander keyboard. Everybody knows that. I've got a Logitech gaming mouse, a nice ultra wide curve monitor, right? Uh, that's probably you know all new. That's probably like two grand worth of equipment minimum. I, no, I minimum. Didn't, I didn't not go even out. The computer. Minute, yeah, not including the thing that it's all connected to, right? <laughs> um, and not including a set of speakers and a charger for the phone and all that kind of stuff, right? But that's just your basic equipment, keyboard, mouse, audio, video, right? Inputs and outputs. I didn't go out one day and just spend $2,000 or whatever it was, right? You you upgrade over time. Yeah. But these are the tools. I don't, I, that, that doesn't sound like a lot of money to me. You know what I mean? Because, because it's the I tools a very blue collar family. Everybody's in a trade, and I, I I look at how much they had to spend on their tools to get their jobs done, and I'm like, man, I'm making out like a bandit. I think <laughs> like, I, I yeah, think every, it's a bargain. Yeah, every job I think has that. Any any job that you're going to stay in for multiple years is going to have uh, a set of things that you're yeah. going to buy for yourself that the employer is not going to cover for you. But if you want to be really good at what you do and you really want to stand out, you're going to spend that. Now, yeah. you made a point earlier that you said um, I'm not saying you have to buy the microphone, and I chose to is what you said. I'm going to disagree. I actually think, no, you should buy the microphone. You absolutely should find the Blue Yeti is cheap. It is 120 bucks. Like we bought it, it was 150. It has actually come down in price. These are, it's a USB mic. It has no external hardware. This is an easy gimme. It is an easy, yeah. easy gimme. If I'm ever in a position again where I have, um, if, it's if, a if, great value. It's a huge it's value. It's a great value. I always, I always encouraged everyone on my team, get, the microphone buy the microphone number one first and, thing well okay can we take can we just make this like a whole office setup i know i know we're focused on av here sure but the the first thing you need is a good keyboard and mouse uh get a mechanical keyboard okay get a programmable yeah. mouse i mean if you're right if you're yeah if you're a programmer yeah i think you're typing all day you don't yeah. have a quality keyboard that you're happy with go fix that first i i actually wound up with different keyboards and layouts and stuff because i wound up with like rsi because i was using a crummy keyboard for so mm-hmm. many years okay um now i now i need a quality keyboard or it starts to you know hurt again mm. so let's first thing is a good keyboard mouse right monitor okay. Good monitor, at least one. Display, or, I think, is second on the list. Like a lot of, uh, lot of real estate. Give yourself a enough lot of real estate. estate. Whether that's a, another display or two heads, if you got the too clamshell much. mode, I argue whatever too it much is. real estate because you can always too much more. real estate. It's like memory. Fact, you can never have too yeah. much memory. Come on, you can never have too much uh, real I'm estate. A, I'm addicted to playing uh, Factorio. I don't know if you've heard of this. The I, factory I must grow. The, mm-hmm. the screen, mu- the screen real estate must grow. Always spread out. Always. More real estate than you think. Then number three microphone 100% agree with you the microphone's the next thing the amount of ROI you get going from even if you have uh when we bought the yetis we had like you know logitech uh, 1080p cameras or whatever yeah. with the built-in mic just going from that to the yeti the ROI for that 100 I think it was like a yeah, it was like 120 bucks when we bought yeah. it, I think. Yeah, Something like, like that, right? $150 on Amazon at the time. Yeah. You do not have to spend five grand mm-hmm. on a professional XLR, blah, 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 blah. Like, just get the Yeti, and it's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Like, your return on that is immediate and immense. There is a there is a curve. The curve on the ROI for the microphones is, is, is basically, you know, from zero to $10, it's real crap. And then it starts yeah. to climb as you hit 50, as you around a hundred dollars, 150, where That's the your blue sweet Yeti lives. That's your yeah. sweet spot. It, it's this massive spike in quality where yep. it just shoots through the stratosphere. 
And then, and then there's just incremental returns incremental gradations. Yeah, you do not need like to spend, any like yeah. any audio equipment. So, for example, a couple of years ago, I upgraded my speakers. I had been using for okay an embarrassing amount of time. I, mm-hmm. I'm just going to say two years because I don't want to admit it. Uh, <laughs> I had bought a P. You know, the, somebody in the family bought a PC from Dell 20 years ago, and it came with like the you know default little speakers or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I had been using those. I spent like I think it was fifty bucks. Fifty on bucks a set of Philips speakers that I, I could have spent. I mean, it's an audio system. I could have spent 10,000 that extra $40, right? The $10 yeah. ones that come with an yeah. old, with an old Dell or gateway machine versus 50 bucks from Philips. Huge. Tremendous spike in value. Any more money that I would have spent over 50 is worthless to me. Probably not. I, I, yeah. First of all, I have the headphones on cause I, I like them a little better that like the passive noise buffering from the the chaos of the kids and everything is is better um but just that odd av equipment you're right that yeah. that first 100 bucks you spend you're set totally totally pays for itself um so yeah you i i i would actually i i will slightly disagree and say no you you really should buy the microphone and 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 get yeah, the, get i would the agree so. If, if you're working remote on a on a, a permanent or hybrid basis by the by the mic get, and the other thing too you 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 went through the order of operations there i i thought it was interesting i want to note that you mentioned the microphone at no point did you ever actually go anywhere near the camera so the audio quality of it's the two audio quality is more well, no i think it's because more important than any to, to for everyone because your picture mm-hmm. quality it can be crappy you don't need a super high high res camera cuz you're going to do some lo- there's some lossiness over the internet anyway the impact that the audio quality has is way higher than the impact the so visual quality has. For me, how I make that decision is, I think I think we're saying the same thing, but how I make the decision between which comes first, the camera or the mic, you are always on your microphone. Yeah. You're not always on camera Correct. and not everybody is always looking at the the screen. Yeah. So, because you got people that dial in on a phone, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the microphone, you're using 100% of your meetings, the camera even if you're using it a hundred percent of your meetings, nobody else is looking at it. Yeah. Right. So, um, but I think that's also a worthwhile investment for what it's worth. Uh, it, it can be, but I would of the two lower on the list. Yeah, yeah. Lower on the list. I would go with the microphone. For me, first. I, I go keyboard. So the, the ultimate list here, keyboard, mouse screen, and okay. maybe screen above mouse, even to be honest with you, maybe keyboard maybe. screen, mouse, microphone, okay. then, then camera. I, yeah. I, I might put some things before Where camera. I'm going to put some things before camera. Chair has to go in chair there. I, I didn't mention desk. my chair. Uh, chair and desk. <sighs> Keyboard and screen first. Then ch- I'm almost tempted. I'm almost tempted to put the human factor of what it can do to your body over time. Not having appropriate sitting seating to bump that. Why I don't know. No, hold Okay. So put it. Take that one offline. I'm gonna. I'm trying yeah. to avoid. I'm trying to avoid the business terms here. I was about to say put a pin in. I'm not going to do that. We we don't we don't we don't use business buzzwords on this show. So <laughs> I like where your you don't. I, <laughs> I like where your head's going with this though. So I would take this one, hold it. I would give it some thought and come back with like your list, like yeah. a definitive. Let's Chris's, let's do that. We'll Chris's talk next purchase week. priority. Chris's order mm-hmm. of purchase priority. We'll do that. We can um, even we can even put that. We have book recommendations oh, on the site. We can even yeah. have like gear, like hey, if you, you go. if you're going from zero to nothing, or you have everything but you want to upgrade, like Up here's the order here. of priority, and here maybe not specific products. I think that's a little gauche, but like yeah. here are the qualities in them that you will look for, right? Like the yeah. chair doesn't have to be an Aeron from Herman Miller, right? But it should be mesh, 
you know, yeah. so it's breathable, like those sorts of, yeah. let's, let's, well, yeah, okay, I yeah, think let's we, do that. I think we All come right. back to this. So um, to, to, to spin this back into uh, the territory for, for um, Justin and, and his question. So I thought you had a good answer and then we went massive sidebar. Let and we never got to your answer. Favorite, so, yeah. So I wanted to bring that back just, just briefly. So uh, I would, I hadn't thought about your angle of, well, yeah, that might be true. They may not like you, but if they don't, then should you be there? But I think that that's true. Um, I am going to go out on a limb and say that this is not an issue uh, or it is, this is an uh, eventually, this is an eventually true scenario. So if it's not true today, it'll be mm. more true tomorrow because this is where the technology is heading. You know, yeah. the folks like you and I, you know, the, 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 the younger ones become the more senior ones and we're more familiar and comfortable and accepting of this stuff. And so the things that were unacceptable to the audience tomorrow become more acceptable. The things that are unacceptable today become more acceptable tomorrow. And I think that this will become less and less of an issue over time. So is it an issue today for some, I think for some executives, for some C-suites? Yes. All of them? No. And tomorrow there'll be less of them. And so, so I'm not going to sweat it because that is a diminishing problem. One and two, if it is a problem for them, I think I'm with you. Screw off. (laughs) This is, this is me being professional. This is me actually putting time and effort into my craft. And if you can't see and appreciate that, I don't have the time of day for you anyway. So that's, that's the way I think about it. And now, this, of course, completely sidesteps uh, uh, Justin and I's, you know, the, 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 our, our holy war about, you know, on camera versus off. I would say personal preference. I still think putting it on camera is a good thing, but I know lots of people who don't. And I think that, yeah. that is that is totally that is totally fine, too. So that are no, thanks for no uh, thanks for the feedback, Justin. Yeah. He's, he's That's always, good eating. He's always good, he's always good for he's always good for he's a thoughtful I, guy. When he yeah. when he gave me this question, I actually thought he was digging at me at first. Like I actually I responded to him. He sent it to me in Slack, and I I actually responded with the um the the uh, Futurama fry eye squint. Like the not, not sure if the not yeah. sure if meme. That's exactly what I responded with. I was and I said, "Is this an honest question, or are you just insulting me, you smart <laughs> Alec bastard?" <laughs> He's such a you smug son of a because <laughs> he's got that kind of delivery. He's really good. So thanks again, Justin. Really, really yeah, appreciate, appreciate it. it, man. And thanks and thanks again to Google for screwing up Stadia just like I knew you would. Made a made a uh, great coming through. Great, coming through in the clinch for a, a good clip death, on the taxes and that was gonna die. And 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 Google and the death of Google products. That's pretty much it. <laughs> All right. Well, if you enjoyed what we talked about today on the Refactor Show, we would love to hear your feedback. We would love your questions. Give us a shout. Feedback at refactor.work. You can write it. You can record it. We'll take it all. If you want to read more from Chris, you can check him out at Tonkinson.com. If you want to check my stuff out, you can check me out at hotcoles, K-O-E-H-L-S.com. The show itself is at refactored.work. You'll find uh, the recordings. You can actually play the episodes live there. You'll find show notes. Uh, And apparently we're going to have recommendations on gear here coming soon, too. You'll also find books currently over there as well. Uh, That'll be fun. Yeah, good stuff. Um, This has been episode 81 of the Refactor Podcast recorded on September 30th, 2022. Always a pleasure, Chris. Talk to you soon, buddy. Thanks, Frank.